We become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit if she wished. Mine! It's with the ancestors! I'm yeah, sorry, drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all fucking boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all fucking boring. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and are you okay? And my name is Colin Drucker, and do we have a problem, Carmen Anthony Brasado? <laughs> I could, like, smell the cigarette as you were saying that. Your wine-soaked breath. Oh, I know. Oh, I could just, I could smell it all. I could just, I could feel the the grease from the cooking and the oil and, and like the smell of the, because she had cleaned that kitchen. I could smell the she cleaner. She just the, a little bit. Yep. Yep. Oh. That woman. Donna. Best supporting Donna. Oh. Dee Dee. Aunt, Dee Dee. Auntie Dee Dee. Auntie Dee Dee. The biggest bear of all. I mean, I, oh gosh, I don't even know. So I, this is the second time I watched it because really it's like, it's it's an event, really, uh, watching mm-hmm. this episode too. And there's so much to talk about, so many great guest spots. And I know you've already talked about it once on your other podcast, but I feel like we'll, you know, we'll, I, I hope we can look at it with some fresh eyes and get some new takes today. Yeah, and you know my brain is lacy Swiss, so like full of holes. I don't remember anything from that episode. So this will this is as if this is the first time I am talking about season two, episode six of The Bear, called Fishes. I have to kick things off just by starting because I'll forget it if I don't say it now. It's a Christmas episode, which I love a Christmas episode. And I want to. I just want to give a shout out to whoever whoever picked out the songs, the music mm. for this. We started mm. off with some Andy Williams. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and then we went straight into Darlene Loves, All Alone on Christmas, and we even got a little bit of Dominic the Donkey, which I also love. Uh, yeah, no, the the music was so good. Oh my god, it was uh, yeah. like and and the songs, but then even some of the like incidental music. Like there was definitely mm-hmm. some horror movie themes at points that I was oh, like, yeah. "Oh, this is some this is some ooky spooky Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween moments right now." Oh my gosh, I know. And I said it last week too, maybe on the after show, but it really is like August Osage County with the volume turned up to steal a phrase from Ina Garten or, you know, on on speed, really. It is the most chaotic, stressful dinner, Christmas dinner of your life watching this. It is really, I mean, I love August Osage County. I love that play. One of my favorite, you know, theater experiences and like one of the best plays to have the absolute nosebleed seats for because it's a yeah. three-floored set. So you really did get to see everything. And all of those performances were being played to the backseat of the of the top row. So, um, but that's like a three-act, three, three act, like two-hour and 45-minute play. And I would say this packs about as much, if not more, of a wallop in an hour and five minutes. 
Oh yeah, it's like um, trying to think of something like uh, cold brew concentrate. You know what mm. I mean? You don't need the whole bottle because no. really, it's like, and it's almost like the opposite as far as like a perspective. You are in the action. You are like practically up Donna's face. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Like uh, it is, it is so intimate, and I think that adds to the chaos too. Oh, I mean, it, it's because this is now the third time I've watched it, and what I'll say is. Even on the third watch, there were new things that I was like picking up, and so this is an episode yep. that is uh, that rewards a rewatch because there is so much going on. There's so many, to your point, so many layered conversations, so many people talking over each other, so much just chaos. There's just you know, there's conversations where you'd have to watch it three times to really understand what anybody was saying in that conversation, and it's. At points, like, uncomfortable. There's scenes where I'm like, oh, my God, get me the fuck out of here. But I also respect that that's entirely the point. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows the drill. And I think that's just, like, so fascinating that, like, no one leaves. Mm. And no one, and everyone knows what's going to happen. Yet we all, we as in the, the family and friends, all show up every year for the same shit. Right, right. And I think that's a key point that like nobody leaves, you know, everybody like they even when they can feel, uh, you know, it's like, honey, you got a big storm coming. They can feel it. But you you're already like you're too far out to see at this point. You've got to just go for the ride. And and also I feel like if there's something about this chaos where like you don't consider the possibility of leaving like Mm -hmm. I my family certainly has never had this level of chaos, but there's been tensions and there's been, my family is, my entire family is like Steve, is like Stevie, uh, John Mulaney's character, like very much that energy. But then there's lots of like animosity in between, you know, and there's lots of like fake, feigned smiles and fake conversations. But like, you still show up, you still stay, you still make conversation, you still put on the act. Because I feel like the option to just leave or to not go is, and you don't even know why, but is somehow worse or not allowed. I was just going to say, there's no winning. There is no winning in this family. And it's funny because the facts, F-A-K, the brothers, I guess, like, and even Richie to an extent too, are not necessarily a part of the family, but they're a part of the family. And they are, they're on the outside and they're still coming every year. Yeah, because that's the thing is like, at least half of these people are not, blood relatives i think it's really just donna the two you know carmen and mikey and natalie and then i think cousin michelle is cousin michelle but i think those are the only like brazados or you know in, in it would be weird if you made out with each other kind of people yeah i guess um what's his face um uncle 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 jimmy i'll Uh just say uncle jimmy oh you did okay yes uncle jimmy yes yeah 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 um, I mean, I, I first have to, I, I just want to walk through real quick. Like, I think it goes without saying, if you haven't, I think that one could watch this episode without knowing or without have watched, like having watched the entire season one and season two. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I, I kind of watched it again, similar to like when we did Looking and I had not seen any of Looking. Yeah. And it kind of made it. An even more enjoyable experience because I felt like the movie was trusting me to fill in the gaps. And so I kind of watched this episode the same way of like, hmm, what would it mean if you watch this without having any context? And 
I almost love it a little bit more because yeah. it's just like the it, it's somewhere between a short film and a feature length film. But the idea that a full movie would just trust you to figure it out. I love it. I think if yeah. you haven't seen the rest of the bear, treat yourself to watching this and then go watch yeah. the rest of the bear. Yeah, because the reason I, why I mentioned that too is because obviously we're going to talk about everything in the episode, spoilers and all too, but one of the biggest surprises in this entire episode were, were all of the guest spots. I could not believe, and it all happens so quick. It's John Mulaney, it's Sarah Paulson, it's Bob Odenkirk. Um, it, it just like, and of course we knew Jamie Lee was, was going to be there, but I, and Gillian Jacobs too, not to mention, I loved Tiffany. I thought she yeah. was so, like I watched her a little bit more closer the second time around uh, or just paid attention to her a little bit more. I think she's so fucking good in this episode. She, you know, I feel like I could put the sort of like glass menagerie lens on this and I feel like Jamie Lee is doing an Amanda Wingfield and Tiffany uh, Gillian Jacobs is doing a Laura Wingfield. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Love and that. Carmi is the, uh, what's his name? The gay one. <laughs> The gay one. I don't know his name. The gay one. Yeah. The gay one. But I, I think um, I, Gillian Jacobs reminds me of, she's like a mix between like Anne Hathaway and um, our favorite gal from Suspiria and my Dakota lost Dakota Johnson. Yeah. A little bit of that soft energy. I think she's so, I don't know. I, I was just really captivated by her. And like, especially in that like bedroom scene and Donna's bedroom with, with Richie too. But you know, we'll get into all of that. But did did you know about any all these guest spots? I had no idea. I only knew about Jamie Lee and the rest uh, of them were just come tumbling in. And I was like, oh, my God, what a gift. And uh, and because like, like Oliver Platt, we'd we'd already seen in previous episodes. But I, I think he's great on the show and we'd seen the facts before. So, you know, we don't get any. Unfortunately, we don't get any best supporting Tina. We don't have any Sydney. We don't have any Marcus this episode because this is all to set it up this is all like five years before the current events of season two i believe yeah um there was something you just said about oh man everyone like sitting in okay this is what i was gonna say i have to say this now and i don't know how you felt i hated john mulaney in this episode and i know he's john mulaney and he's very charming and i just and maybe it's just like the cringe factor of him saying the blessing but he's just so fucking smug. I, and it's like, there's nothing, I have nothing to back this up with. Like, he didn't do anything to me. I know he was, like, canceled for a hot second, and now he's, I guess he's back. But I I can't stand him. Those glasses, I just, it, it gives me, like, the willies. I don't know why. I just had to say that up front. Well, you know, it's funny. I, and and this is, it's it's I agree with you. I mean, let me open by saying I agree with sure. you. And I was saying before, like my whole family is very much like Stevie and who I'm thinking of in particular is my one uncle who is very much like this to an extent that it is like, it's frustrating. It's eye rolling. It's like, can you just turn it off? Can you just like stop yeah. being like cool and aloof? Can you just like genuinely engage here? And I, I, that's what I was picking up with John Mulaney was like very much kind of like a, a, a sort of, oh, what's the word of, an, an affected way of speaking, you know, like yeah. there's like an edge of condescension. There's like an edge of like, why are you being, why are you doing a voice right now? Why are you being a character right now? I know you're not being real with me. 
Yeah, and I guess, to be fair, I feel like his character is written in a very difficult way to play because, one, we know him as John Mulaney, and he's always going to have that, like you said, that that filter of how he talks. But it's like he's been with the family long enough that he's able to, like, razz people. He's not the lowest man on the totem pole. He's not Pete. Right. He's a few notches above Pete, but yet he's not, like, he's not important enough to like really like people will still like shit on him if they need to like Donna can still scream at him and he can walk away with his tail between his legs yeah I mean and that's something I definitely want to talk about is the different dynamics that Donna has with different people in the family and he oh, is yeah. he is certainly kind of like a um he's a filler queen he's kind of yep. he's, he's he's just on the edge of being a filler queen and I uh yeah, I mean, I think that I liked him a little bit more in the past times I'd watched it, but this time around, my feelings changed a little bit, or my, you know, I, I was more where you're at with him. You know, I appreciate yeah. in the script that he gets the blessing. I appreciate the moment that, like, they give that character, and I think when he tears up, it's like, oh, God, finally, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, but I God. hear you. I just, yeah, I don't, I didn't love him, um, but... I don't know. That's just that's just where I am with it. I just wanted to get that out of the way, and then we can talk about everyone else. Well, so, you know, obviously, spoilers abound, and uh, to set things up, if you've seen The Bear, you know what we're about to talk about. And if you haven't, the plot in and of itself of this episode is not reinventing the wheel. It is your classic, chaotic Christmas dinner, you know, yeah. in the suburbs of Chicago in the mid-2010s. Yeah. What and a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive. God, can I tell you, when I like see things and it's like, oh, that was 2018, oh, that was 2017, I, my my heart aches with this like, oh, you precious, you precious, naive little sunflowers. You had no idea that this party yeah. was all about to end, you know? Yes. And we were already thinking the world was over because Trump was president. It was like, Oh no, pantyhose Joe. There's more. We got record heats, record highs. We got aliens. We, we got, got aliens. All. Yeah, we had COVID. <laughs> you know, we got COVID. We got that COVID thing. Like it just AI. Twitter's gone. Yes. So I guess you know you take the good, you take the bad. Sure. You know now it's X. I Maybe. know that's so weird. I don't even. I have no. I have no feelings on that. You know, yep. thank, thanks, Lexapro. I have no feelings on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you put the X in Lexapro. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and and the the idea here, and again, I love that even if you didn't really see the rest of the season, you can pick this up. That our, uh, you know, um, our main chef, you know, the chef of our hearts, Carmi, played by Jeremy Allen White. Uh, is is visiting from he's home from Copenhagen where he was at you know culinary school and he is there with you know Natalie who in the in the present we see as being pregnant and running the ship and five years ago being a much different energy and their older brother Mikey who's now dead and um and then you know Richie and then we we I feel like we've never really seen Tiffany before but this is where I think we finally meet Tiffany, his wife at the time, not played by Margot Robbie, but the, the whole time, the first time I watched this, I was like, wow, I can't believe they got Margot Robbie for this. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, 
that wasn't her. But it kind yeah. of made me appreciate Gillian Jacobs more. And I was like, oh, sure, you can do Margot Robbie stuff. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's the, the hybrid there is Anne Hathaway and Margot Robbie. I think that's yeah. maybe more accurate. Yeah. She's so great. And I, I know Justine is probably listening to this, too. And I, I've not watched Love. I feel it's on Netflix or something. I don't it know is. what. Um, but um, I don't know. Piqued my interest a little bit. I've, you know, I, I need a new show. And I I really liked her. And she said that the guy who plays Pete, Chris Witoski, I'm sure not pronouncing that correctly. Correctly, well, there you go. I'm sure I, I don't think I speak that well. Um, uh, anyway, uh, he is in it as well. So, and I love Pete. So oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, Pete is like the um, oh, what's his face from the Family Stone who Rachel McAdams ends up with? Uh, yes, the the Mark Luke Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, him, him. Oh, who Rachel McAdams ends up with? Yes, you're yes. so right. Yeah. It's it's the it's the Mark Brandanowitz of the Family Stone. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I love that. T- I love that he sits right next to to Mikey at the dinner table though. I think like the seating and the I like at the dinner table is fascinating. I love that. Yeah, and, and I think he is an example of, you know, in this entire episode like the the ensemble of characters. I feel like you know, some people have slightly meatier parts than others. Obviously, no no one meatier than Donna herself. But everybody kind of gets a moment in yep. this episode. Yeah, for good or for bad. I, I totally agree. And I think that's what makes it so satisfying. Yeah. I was like, oh, they have Sarah Paulson. I hope they really use Sarah Paulson. And not only does she get the smoke pot with the facts and talk oh. about Cole's cash, she has a beautiful moment with Carmi telling him to come visit her in New York. And then she even gets one in for Donna too. Oh, see, I mean, exactly. Like I love that's that kind of sequence of moments is like where I just, I zip off into the stratosphere, like the best supporting yeah. stratosphere is because it's like, she got this moment smoking pot being funny. She got this touching one-on-one with Carmi. She got that micro moment during the climax. That's it. That's what makes a best supporting performance. Best supporting is getting those, like doing less with more. Uh, what was that qu- quote we used to queen out about? Like I appropriate know. proportions, maximizing. maximizing proportions, maximizing possibilities within appropriate proportions. There it is. And that's so I, good. That's totally what Sarah Paulson, who I had no idea was in this, um, does with with the role of cousin Michelle. Yeah, and even when I'll add to the list when she's talking about that lady, when she's describing the bear. Yeah. Um, when she's sitting on the couch eating an olive, stoned on the couch, I can watch her eat an olive. Like she just took these little bites of that olive mm-hmm. and was just so natural and it it honestly felt like improv when she was telling that story i just i think she's one of the greatest actresses of our time (laughs) yeah now come on now yeah come on now she you know it's like it's funny sarah paulson is one of those actresses where when i'm alone i think do i like sarah paulson and then i see her in something i'm like oh it's sarah paulson again but then i stick with it and 20 minutes later i'm like god she's so good at this oh she just she's so good at this and it's like and i can kind of always i think that she does transform but i can kind of also always tell it's her a little bit and Mm -hmm. 
I think I'm, I think I've accepted that. Uh, one of my favorite Sarah Paulson moments ever is, have you seen the movie, the HBO movie game change where Julianne Moore plays Sarah Paulson? No. Where Julianne oh, Moore Sarah plays Paulson. Sarah Palin. <laughs> I would love to see that movie. Oh my God. I'd love to see that too. Jesus Christ. Cause that's the long lost. All right. Mary episode. If I'm not mistaken. Right? That is, I oh, believe. Goodness. Did we ever re-record it? I don't know. I don't but, know. I may, but maybe, you know, maybe it is the fir- the long lost, all right, Mary episode. That's right. Good memory. My God. Um, but there's a great scene where, because Sarah Paulson plays Sarah Palin's like campaign manager or whatever, some you know role like that. And they're in this big fight over the phone. And uh, Palin is like comparing herself to Hillary. And, you know, this wouldn't have happened to Hillary or whatever. And Sarah Paulson's character goes, right, because you're just like Hillary. And then like <gasps> hangs up on her. And it's just this like amazing moment. And so that and like cousin Michelle having that moment with Donna at the table and smoking pot and talking about Cole's cash. I Sarah <laughs> Paulson's good in my book. She's good in my book. Yeah. And she's a fucking hoot. Uh, like yeah. off screen. Like her and Kate Blanchett in that interview when they're promoting. <laughs> oh, like, the Ocean's, Oceans 8 promos. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they're so funny. Yeah. So funny. I would just love to be on that like press tour with them. Yeah, we should really, you know, there's always an actress every week where it's like, we need to get more blank on this podcast. And this week it's, we need to have more Sarah Paulson appreciation on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, have we, have we done that episode of like the people versus OJ? I feel (gasps) like maybe Amanda and I did it like a while back or something like that. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah. No, we haven't done that, but that's a great idea. Cause that would be Sterling K Brown too. Mm -hmm. The most delicious. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. I'm just looking through her filmography, but I think you're, I think you nailed it. I think it's, I think it's that episode. Okay. Cause for me, that's when I was like, because she's great on American Horror Story too, but like mm-hmm. Horror Story also, not T O O or T W O. Um, but yeah, I I can't think of anything else like film or otherwise. Like she hasn't had, she's been in a lot of stuff, but maybe yeah. Well, there's think about. you know there's Carol. Speaking of Kate Blanchett, Carol, uh, Carol. Uh, I've never seen it. I've never I, seen Carol. I haven't either. And Rooney Mara was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, but apparently it's like basically you know category fraud because it's more of a lead role oh i see i see um but you know carol sarah paulson i mean lesbians you know (laughs) i'm into it and let's see let's see if like rhea perlman's in it or anything let's see if there's any (laughs) other like names that we should know about okay i'm not seeing any but that's okay a picture like a margot martindale in there somewhere oh my god lip as like an old like lesbian in a cabbie hat. Oh my god, just like an old fifties <laughs> lesbian. Yes. How you doing, sweetheart? You know, it's just some like old yes. dark lesbian bar. Ugh, that's what I want to. I want to. I want to wake up one day and it's nineteen sixty two and I'm at an old lesbian bar and Margot Martindale sidles up next to me in a Ugh. in a biker's jacket and she buys me like a Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> yeah and hands me a cigarette yeah oh my god all right well you got to put it out in the world um so anyway yeah so i think you've nailed it i think we will revisit sarah paulson in a marsha 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 episode that would be great yeah um and you know because it's the year of the men i think we also need to acknowledge uh that this episode we have another special guest bob odenkirk as uncle lee 
I thought he was so good in this episode. And again, he gets to do so much. He has moments with Donna. He, I love the scene where he tells Mikey to stop telling that fucking story for like the 800th time. Because how many times have you, anyone, at either a family function, especially if it's someone you have like friction with, like here he goes with that fucking story. Mm -hmm. Like, and how many times, you know, I mean, in this house, people do say, shut the fuck up. But like most of the time you don't, you know? Yeah, no, my mom's family are all storytellers and it and it's the same 12 and a half stories. And so sure. but it's just that's just part of the routine, but I think what was uh, what was interesting, I feel like and I again watching it a few times, it's like I start to pick up like the threads of like, oh, there is this underlying tension between Uncle Lee and Mikey because Lee has lent Mikey money and money has yeah. and Mikey has, you know, fucked it up. And so like that's already underneath the surface. And then I feel like because Mikey is obviously like doing drugs as well and is obviously gets high, you know, when he goes outside and he puts the blanket over his head and goes outside, like he's doing drugs. And so oh, I think I did not put that together that yeah. was my one my one like note was like i could have used more like him like either stumbling or something to tell us that he was on something i i don't know i guess i didn't put that together but i'm glad you pointed that out i think the way that he's telling the story is so wild-eyed that it's like oh okay he's high and i okay. i feel like that's why lee is reacting is because it's like here you are like getting fucked up and telling the same story over and over instead of like putting together a good business plan and not wasting the money I lent you. Mm. I actually, I'll say I watched, you know, Bob Odenkirk. I watched uncle Lee a little bit closer this time around and it is such a good performance. I'm like, I practically want to like nominate him as a queen because it's just such a good performance. There's so, I, uh, I second that. Yes. Yeah. I think it's the least we could do. I think one of my favorite moments is when I think Uncle Jimmy comes in and, you know, it's it's after that whole like, oh, you're telling the same story over and over and and, and Uncle Lee kind of ruins the ending of it. And I think Jimmy comes in and he's like, oh, what's going on? Uh, and then Mikey says something about like, oh, you know, uh, this Jagoff is, you know, uh, being an asshole. And then Jimmy's like, which Jagoff? And then Uncle Lee points to himself and he goes, this jack off and just yes. the way he does that is so layered and so nuanced mm -hmm. and it's so like it's you know he's annoyed with me right now he's talking about him he's referring to himself as if it's a kid who's mad at him Do you know what i mean yep exactly too and I, I don't know like what the relationship is there like i mean there obviously it's nephew and uncle um but like is it jamie lee's I guess like brother like I don't know I wonder what how he fits into the family oh so I Lee and Jimmy are not blood relatives they're oh I'm sorry but he's oh wait so is oh Lee is just Lee then he's just Lee he's kind of like Jimmy he's just like another friend of the family because he oh, said he mentioned in, in the kitchen earlier when they're talking about the seven fishes I think Richie says, you're not even Italian. He's like, yeah, Polsky. And he does that, that's like, right, that, that's that right. gesture to himself that always sticks with me. Polsky, Polsky. And so it's like these little details they drop in there of like, oh. And then the whole idea that like Donna has had a history. There's a, there's a business history with Uncle Lee. And there's like a weird flirty energy with Uncle Jimmy. Like there's such, there's things going on yeah. between Donna and these men. It is, I mean, the way that she just, like, 
melts whenever Uncle Jimmy's around. He's like, mm-hmm. and he says, like, you know how sexy you are when you when your breath smells like wine. I'm like, oh God, she probably yeah. reeks. Oh, and he's like, oh, it's like a musk, and he's just yeah, and it just it's it's interesting that like it's implied that like she, I think that she may have had some kind of like bad business dealing with Uncle Lee in the past, and I feel like it's very possible she's she's had. A, a personal dealing with Uncle Jimmy in the past. Yeah, I mean, her house is beautiful. We, I, I know it's like very sort of tight knit and sort of. I mean, her bedroom is crazy, but I overall I really appreciated how well decorated it. It seemed very warm and inviting. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know kind of the interesting again comparing to August Osage County where like the house is kind of this like haunted house in the middle of, of nowhere. This is like this beautiful house out of like <clears throat> home alone. You know what I mean? It's like they could be a few yeah. blocks away from the McAllister's here. And, yes. uh, oh, and, and, you know, I, I think we are, we are circling truly the, you know, uh, the most important of the seven fishes, uh, <laughs> Donna Brazato herself, I just watching this again. I just thought Jamie Lee, you yeah. you you did it, you did it. You just the the year that you've had. I I just can't stop saying it. Like she, all she needs to do is star on Broadway. That's all that's left. Oh yeah, in August Osage County. In this August her, Osage County. Primer, yeah, yeah. That's all that's <laughs> left because let's count them. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Halloween, everything everywhere all at once, the bear. She's the just bear. Co- covering all bases. And she got an Oscar. She is going to get an Emmy next year. Yeah. She, like, you know, got all that money for her charity thanks to Dorit's, you know, unabashed enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wins across it's the board. Really wild. She won that Santa Barbara Film Festival Award that we talked That's about right. on the Best Supporting After yes. Show. The woman just keeps winning. Uh, the way she puts, I, I I think I missed it the first time around. The way she spreads that garlic butter on the bread Jesus. with her hands is <laughs> crazy. It, it's like she just has a, a metal, you know, bowl full of butter and she's just taking fingerfuls of it and just wiping it down the side of a slice of Italian bread. It's insane. That, I mean... I think that the like the timer is like slightly louder than the rest of the volume in the entire episode because mm. it, and it's on purpose. It's like almost like uh, what was it? it's like Shiva Baby all over again. You yes. know, what I mean? it's just like, but it feels like a restaurant. It feels it has that energy of like how we f- like feel like whenever we're at like you know season one or like that one episode in season one where all the online orders kept coming into it where it's like you think we'd be used to it by now but this is a whole different ball game well it really kind of like creates i think kind of the almost like a backstory like when we when we see carmen in the kitchen and i always thought his name was carmine but it's carmen uh when we see carmy like in the kitchen when you see him in in those high stress situations in season one and season two it's like there is a sense of like, oh, this is a familiar energy for you. Because this is not the first kitchen, the first kitchen. This is not the first Christmas that Donna has been like a tornado in the kitchen. And so yeah. I feel like, and and it's not just on Christmases. Like, I feel like my mom was a bit of this. God bless her. Uh, she's not dead, but, you know, God bless her all the same. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, 
there'd be like Saturday mornings. It'd be like the the you know the demon mother of West Meadow Avenue would come out, and it would be like, turn off the TV. It's time to do chores. And my mother yeah. was a crazy person when we were cleaning the house. She was nuts. Sure. So like, thank God when my stepdad came on the scene, like he would come over, you know, and take her out to dinner on Saturday. And we'd be like, how early can you get here? Like come in yeah. here and intervene at four o'clock. We can't take this anymore because she oh, was nuts. Chores. Yeah. And it was just like my mother's way of like creating control, you know, in otherwise sure. like uncontrollable situations with my, my dad and all that stuff. Um, wah, wah, wah. But anyway, I, so I feel like, you know, it's interesting to see how Natalie, particularly Natalie and Carmi, have rebounded from growing up with someone like this. Yeah, and it, it adds so many layers to Natalie becoming a mother herself, too. And I ha I will say this, too. I haven't watched past episode seven, just to kind of say that out loud. Um, I watched the next one after this, but um, I haven't finished yet. So, but I, I think there's, you know, this informs a lot of the present it does, and I won't say anything, but certainly, you know, uh, are there eight episodes or is it ten? I don't remember. I actually don't know. Oh, well, you know what? I am sitting here. I'm not going to ask ChatGPT because the last time I asked ChatGPT anything, it told me that Amy Adams was, was an in episode of Jag. an episode of JAG, <laughs> and that is, like, so <laughs> offensive to me because it should it's an, it's artificial intelligence, but not that intelligent. It should know how important that is to me. Um yeah. So it is, there are, I can't even count. Oh, okay. Seven, eight, nine. There's 10 episodes. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, but the rest of them are great. The final episode is wonderful. You've already seen the fabulous cameo in episode seven. So. Yeah. I, I'd say we keep that one a secret. Yeah. Because I'm not honestly, saying nothing. It's, it's worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So listeners, let us know when you get there. Send yeah. Us a, send us an email. Um, you know, I had mentioned this on the episode I did with Johnny, but so this is mostly for like the seven and a half people who might be crossover listeners. I don't know, um, who are Matreons as well, but I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis is, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. This is the best thing I've ever seen her do. That being said, speaking of August Osage County, there is an alternate universe where I would swoon to see Amy Morton do this role, especially as a Chicago actress. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and my God. I know. Yep. She was in season one. She was in the second episode as like an inspector. And so I was like, oh, oh well, right. they already used her. But she would have torn this part apart. Like, it would have been incredible. Yep. She would have been perfect for it. She would have been absolutely perfect. And I say that in the same breath saying Jamie Lee is absolutely perfect in it. But Amy Morton was like born to play this role. Oh, that makes me so sad thinking that that's not what they did. <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know, we got Jamie Lee. And that's we got all Jamie we Lee. And, you know, like at first, you know, because there's there's the progression of her drunkenness. She spends most of the movie I'm going to keep calling it a movie, but it kind of feels like a movie. Yeah, she spends most of the episode in the kitchen, and it's just some people are human tornado syndrome. They just they're like pig pen on in peanuts. They just have always have commotion and and chaos around them. And I don't know why, and I don't know how, and I don't believe I'm one of those people. But I've been around a lot of people like that. I don't know if that sounds familiar. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that like in ways like Keon's mom is like this, nowhere near what Donna is. But like when I because like I feel so bad because she makes dinner 
and she also cleans up everything. But she won't let anyone help clean mm-hmm. up. She won't let you load the dishwasher because she does it like her way, which I understand. I have my own way of loading the dishwasher. I respect that. But I want to help her. And also, I think we were, because I was in New Hampshire this past weekend and I was like by the sink. We were just kind of like heating up some leftovers. It was like one of those nights and she was like mad that <laughs> me and Keon were like blocking the way. She was Because we were washing our hands in the kitchen sink as opposed to going to the bathroom like normal people she said <laughs> oh my god was she like but, no know, one's listening to me yeah no yeah, one's but listening to me she's not like slugging down wine and you know smoking a cigarette you know but i there are shades of that for sure yeah i mean my stepdad's a bit of this where it's like it's always something it's always something sure. you know um you know when we when my mom when he and my mom got married and we moved and we moved into i wouldn't say the house was a fixer-upper but they they intended to like redo the kitchen and like you know they intended to fix things up and that house was like the fucking money pit it was one thing after the other and after a while i was like this man is manifesting problems I've just, yep. I, I'm, I feel like he just needs something to fix. And so he's putting it out to the universe that he needs things to break. And next thing you know, the sump pump's broken and it's raining, you know? Oh, I mean, you've met him in the flesh. My friend Alex that you met in New York mm-hmm. is the epitome of a human tornado syndrome. He got wasted. He got his identity stolen. He lost his phone. Oh, yes. He got to create a new bank account, get a whole, like his, but that is like par for the course. Like that is his entire life. And I don't know how he attracts that. But it uh, yes. always happens to him. That's exactly always. it. It's always a level of chaos where it's like, I would never be able to live in that tornado, but you seem to perpetually live in that tornado. Yeah. We were roommates in college, and somehow we survived. But I I mean, I think we both had our own type of poison that we <laughs> that we fed each other to because, you know, yeah. we were young and stupid. But, um, yeah, I totally get it. And, and the thing with Donna, too, is like, the whole time, I just wanted her. I, did, I wanted someone to say like, maybe if you, maybe if you were a little bit nicer. But you can't say that. You can't. You can't say like, oh yeah. Every, she's she is the victim. You cannot like convince her otherwise. No one gives a shit about her. But no, she won't let anyone help her. But she says no one appreciates her, and no one cares. Yeah, I mean, this is a it's a no win situation, and and it depends on who you are, what your relationship was, is with her because she treats Carmen like a, like a sous chef. She wants Natalie to just get out of her face. She's just like, enough. I don't want your help. You know, just get out of here. She, I feel like has, we, we don't really see her interact with Mikey much at all. You know, like, oh no, I take that back. There is that one scene where they're both like egging, Carmen on to say I love you and I thought that yep. was really important to show like oh Mikey and Donna are the exact same person I was just gonna say because they're both have addiction problems too and I yes. think I don't think I know that Donna saves Mikey twice in this I must said movie in this episode too when and granted like Richie and Mikey were kind of like that duo that were like ganging up on Carmi and talking about uh, was it Blair Claire Claire, Claire Bear yeah. And like it, it was just escalating. But um, Donna was the one who threw the fork, not at Mikey, but she kind of put an end to that fight. And then she also walks in right as he's about to throw like the second or third fork. Yeah, him. yeah. It's it it that's that is interesting that she kind of that's interesting. I didn't yeah, put that she together. Out for him. But they both throw forks. Oh my god, they do. 
They are. They both. They they're are fork throwers. Fork throwers, and they they're both you know uh, just on a path of self destruction. So yeah, I think that's like the most interesting parallel. Is just like oh god, Mikey and Donna are like doing the same dance, and yep. so it's like yeah, the two of them are almost like it's beyond being like allies or adversaries. They're just two sides of the same coin. Yeah, and and, and she then, said like, okay, oh go, go ahead, ahead. Go no go ahead. Go. I I was just gonna say like. He's in the kitchen more than you think. I would like, I don't think it's more than like five times to be honest, but you're right. Like the, the Carmen, when they're both ganging up on Carmi, um, he also comes in randomly to say something about like the baseball cards. I think the facts are in the, but like she never acknowledges that he's in the kitchen or tells him to leave the kitchen. She, I think the only time she ever does is like when like he should get the saltines for Tiffany or like take the, the homemade Sprite up to her or whatever. But yeah, I think he gets a pass always. Uh, yeah. I think it's not until, cause then he, there's that scene where she drops the artichoke on the floor and then Lee is helping her clean it up. Oh, and yeah. then they start talking about business and that's when Mikey comes in. And that's after he and Carmi have that scene in the pantry and, and he's like, Oh, you're doing this again. And uh, like, there's just that moment where it's like, Oh, you know, fuck you. You're being disrespectful. Like there's, there's that kind of moment. And um, yep. yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it, I, it's, I could, I could watch 20 more minutes of, of Mikey and Donna interacting, but. Oh yeah. Mike is her favorite. After, oh, boy. that is, that is spot on. Mikey's her favorite. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh and then, you know, then with Jimmy, yeah, she's got this, like, weird flirty relationship. And with Lee, there's, like, some history. And with Richie, I mean, if anybody else, if Natalie came in that kitchen and started tickling her while she was in the middle of cooking, oh, she would have stuck God. her head in the oven. Yeah. Natalie's at the bottom of the totem pole. Oh. She's even lower than, like, Stevie, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, she is lower than Stevie. and. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, Donna loves Tiffany because I love when in the midst of all that chaos, Tiffany comes in wearing the robe and Donna's like, oh, my God, it looks great on you. You know what? You should keep it. And it's like that sudden shift that Donna makes, like what it triggered in me, not like triggered, but like what I immediately felt was like, oh, someone like that. It's like the codependent in me just like wants to get on Donna's good side. You know what I mean? For sure. And I don't know if they did this in the episode, but they should have. They should have panned over to Natalie whenever mm-hmm. she was like doting on Tiffany, too, because there's nothing worse than like, you know, she's the daughter in law that's going to give her a grandbaby too, mm-hmm. first grandbaby. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Tiffany is getting the love from Donna that Natalie wants and like just can't get. And yeah. Um, but also Natalie is is in that like, you know, hyper aware, you know, kind of like hyper uh, observant and and um, cautious. And so like the are you OK is uh, I think what's interesting about that is Natalie asking her mother other, over and over, are you OK, is really to like a form of like self-soothing. Like she's really just trying to like assure herself that everything's OK because she's like tied oh, yeah. like her emotional stability to like her mother's stability. Absolutely. I was thinking this. I, I've had my own version of this. Like I was not the Tiffany. I was the Natalie. And this is also in New Hampshire because I, Keon's parents, they do love me. But like, I'm not, you know, the daughter that they hope to have. Sure. <laughs> Let's just say that. So um, the daughter-in-law. Yeah. Um, but I, um, one time we brought our friend Jamie, who you met in Pittsburgh, um, to New Hampshire. And Keon's mom was just 
doting on her and she like she came in and Jamie's really like charming and funny too so she was just like kind of just being her she wasn't trying to like win anyone over but I think it was the second morning we were there we were having breakfast and his mom comes out and like comes out behind from uh, like Jamie was seated and she kisses Jamie like on the top of like she like takes her head and kisses her forehead I like threw my pancake across the room (laughs) I was like Maya and pen 15 with the blanket over Oh, my God. I was like, how dare you? But, you know, all you can do is laugh. Right, right. Because it's, I mean. Maybe throw a fork. Yeah, yeah, maybe throw a fork. Yeah, if if you want. Maybe drive a car through the front of the house if you need, (laughs) you know. Absolutely, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so like that, just that, those dynamics, like the way that I, I feel like having like an alcoholic at Christmas, again, is not necessarily like terribly original, like that this is just par for the course like dysfunctional family with an alcoholic mother but i think to me that topic never gets boring because i think whether it's an alcoholic or another kind of addiction or whatever like i feel like the they talk about like the family systems and the dynamics that get created and especially with families with multiple siblings each sibling like plays a specific role and you know and you see that not only like in the rest of the series and kind of flashing forward to the future, but also their specific relationships with their mother. And I feel like, um, I, I mean, I, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but I feel like as they're getting ready for dinner and Donna's alone in the clean kitchen and you're like, Oh yeah, she's, she's, she's officially on the other side. And I, and like when Carmen goes in there to kind of coax her to come out there, I just, it was like there was so much about their interaction and about this moment that like, I'm not saying I experienced this personally, but like I could just feel all of the subtext. Like this was so informed of what an alcoholic parent and one of their children's relationship feels like. It's like a fucking tennis match of trauma too, because she's like, I'm going to, because like at first she's crying. He knows she's crying Mm -hmm. and then he tries to soothe, but she's not, she's going to just push back and say why are you treating me like a child and like but it's it's that fucked up thing where like she wants someone to care because that's all she's been telling like natalie and and this scene carmen of like um no one gives a fuck about me Mm -hmm. and they won't fucking miss me and you know the words don't even matter at that point and finally when she says your opening line do we have a problem, Carmen Anthony Brazado? And he chooses to hug her, and then she finally breaks down, and then gives him a little slap on the face. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I like yeah. levitated off my seat. Oh. This is crazy. Well, and like, lest we forget the incredibly important piece of mascara stuck to her eye. <gasps> like earlier or in this scene? It's in this scene. It's like it's it's um. Yeah, it's in this scene. Like, there's this little okay. piece that's, like, stuck just outside of her eye. And I was like, oh. And her th- lips, her thin lips. And her thin lips. And she just looks like this, like, terrifying clown. Like, there's just this wide-eyed, thin-lipped wildness. I've never seen Jamie Lee do this. I just, could, I just couldn't believe it. And, oh, my. And, you know, and you're right. Like, she, it's so interesting how she has these moments of like nobody fucking helps me nobody fucking cares and we're all we're seeing is natalie trying to help carmen trying to help you know it's like you know uh lee trying to help we're seeing constant moments of that and i think in comparison to this moment with carmy 
earlier when she's really starting to go off the edge and she like has that moment with Natalie where yeah we need to talk about that yeah yes. where she's like I you know I think why don't you just go upstairs and get your father's gun and that if, you know from the box upstairs and bring it downstairs and I'm just gonna blow my fucking brains out and nobody will fucking miss me and it's like that kind of those kind of dramatics those histrionics I feel like there's this part of me that feels like she would never do that with Carmi mm -hmm. and B she knows how much subconsciously she knows how much that upsets Natalie and yeah. that's part of why she says it is because she knows that like it's like she she wants she wants to be that upsetting right now yeah it's like you hurt the ones you love the most in a way that's sort of saying like mm -hmm. she knows that Natalie she wants um you know to kind of take a a line from Steel Magnolias. She wants to hit someone and hit yeah. hard, and I, she wants them to feel as badly as she does. Yes, yes, and I, I really yeah. think it's like that, that choice with Natalie to be like, you know, what you should do go upstairs and get the gun, and I'm just gonna kill myself. Like, yes, because because if she did that with if she did it with Carmi, Carmi wouldn't believe her, or, or she wouldn't. I don't know. It just I there's just like the sub the subtext of like her doing that with Natalie is is in a way to almost punish Natalie for trying so hard to help her. Agreed. And I, I mean, the way that she delivers these lines too, because she can't be at a 27 when she says these lines, even though the impact is a 27. She like almost like whispers it in her ear it's like a hiss mm -hmm. and like and, and she's grabbing natalie and i will say this this is probably my favorite john mulaney part where you know and also my favorite natalie part where she's like can you just hug me you know oh. she doesn't break down she just needs a hug and that he hugs her like longer than he probably should i i really loved that that was such a genius micro moment to just capture yeah. that moment of like can you just give me a hug right now i just i love yeah. that Ugh. and then they go back I mean, I love a scene where it's almost like it's it's like the end of this scene and they just pan back to Donna and she's like, they won't fucking miss me. And she's oh, talking yes! to no one, to no one in the kitchen. And she takes a sip of wine or take a, takes a drag of her cigarette. That is what I came here for, Miss yes. Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down. I'm so glad you brought that up. She's oh, like, you know, they wouldn't they would fucking miss me. miss me. Oh, my oh. God. It's... Then the timer goes off. Or something. Oh. I don't know. I was just like... I mean, I, I got to say this now, like if I was to just predict who from this episode is going to get nominated, like four people come to mind, like, of course, Jamie Lee. I would also throw Sarah Paulson in there, one, because she's Sarah Paulson. She already has a couple of Emmys. I think she does great work in this episode. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite lines that I didn't mention yet that I have to is it was almost my opening line when she's in the um the bathroom smoking pot with the facts and she's like do you think donna's gonna do something crazy <laughs> it, like yeah like that's the kind of covers but they don't know what's coming they know that she'll probably she'll probably i can't say this probably be nuts but they have no idea it's going to that level you know yeah right because it's like they've probably seen like they're probably used to like the yelling and the screaming in the kitchen but yes. then it and and there might maybe be some like grumbling at dinner yeah mm -hmm. yeah maybe some some fights or some tears but like and maybe at some point she goes to a room but this is certainly the worst it ever ends up being and and i feel like you know the and there probably been fights among the other ones before but probably not to this extent with the throwing of the fork agreed and i think i truly think that this is bob odenkirk's emmy 
because he he got nominated like seven years in a row for Better Call Saul, and I've heard he's done great work in that show. And they don't have like supporting categories; it's just best actor, best actress. I think it'd go to Jamie Lee and him, but I also think John Bernthal is going to be nominated only because he's already been nominated already for this. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think John Bernthal does a great job because there he's just is going through so many like quiet transitions of emotions you know like when he has that whole scene with carmen in the pantry and carmen gives him that drawing let's talk about it uh i mean it's such a beautiful like what i love is that the movie builds in yeah these like quiet scenes like the scene between tiffany and richie in the bedroom oh yeah oh my god we didn't even talk about that yeah i know and then like and then you know the scene between uh carmy and mikey in the pantry but it's i think in the to your point about jamie lee not being at a 27 the whole time even this episode has to kind of take a beat and take a breath every once in a while. And I also feel like uh, this is probably very true for families like this, where you kind of like, you go for a walk, you sneak away, you take a break. You just like, you put Dominic the donkey on, you know, yeah. You have a jig, yeah. You have a little jig, but there's that sense of like, I'm going to remove myself and go to like, you know, the, the sitting room or go upstairs or go to a bedroom or whatever. And just like break away from the rest of the chaos. <sighs> so good and i love that like john bernthal or mikey he's in the he's in the diane keaton seat like the family stone and i love uh-huh. that he also throws a fork yes <laughs> she exactly also throws a fork. yeah 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 oh, that should be a new category at the westons this year <laughs> yes right like you know best uh best forking best <laughs> yeah. forking yeah best forking something best of forking utensils we'll, yes we'll, we'll workshop this folks we we That's have right. until october right. yeah yeah um. Yeah, and so like, yeah. This I I feel like that scene. Because I think what happens is he they he has that nice heart to heart with Carmi in the pantry. Carmi gives him the present, the drawing of of the bear, and then I think then he's got to go bring the saltines to Tiffany. And Mikey has that moment alone where he starts to cry and starts to like smack himself. And I think that's what cues him to go outside and get high again. Yes, that that adds up now. I. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I don't think I would have ever put that together. Um, and Carmi, when he shows Mikey those like those like renderings or whatever you want to call it, he's such a goose. Oh, I and know. I, I don't know. I, I I feel like Mikey's the big brother. It just feels that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I mean that pantry scene is kind of like erotic in a way, like the way that they're like positioned, and he's like, I give a huge fuck. I give oh. like the biggest fuck, and I was like, I need to fan myself with that box of pasta (laughs) absolutely i was like somebody get me the saltines because this is i am woozy like why don't you lean in a little closer why don't you tell me three great things about copenhagen you know what i mean so sweet i mean it's uh, i mean even when they're in the kitchen earlier too when um oh no no it's out it's the very first scene with natalie him yep and and he's like carm I'm glad you're here. Like, and just like the subtext of that too. Like, don't go down that road. Like, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very sweet. I mean, that's the thing is like, there is so much about the dynamics between Carmi and Natalie and Mikey that like, they only scratch the surface. I think it's fascinating when there's like multiple siblings navigating a dynamic like this, because it's like, it, you know, Carmi is kind of the classic example of the sibling who like, gets the fuck out of town and natalie is we love a sister who stays home we've we love this category oh my god and like fucking abby elliott man like i'm so 
glad that she got this because I know she had like a stint on SNL and like I, I enjoyed her, but I, she never like she wasn't like Kristen Wiig, you know, like she was on yeah. the show and she did fine. But I mean, even because like I think it's time to get into the dinner, which is so funny because like there's so much that happens before the dinner that when the dinner finally arrives, you're like exhausted. Oh, <laughs> like, but yeah. also excited. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like start like you know i think michelle says like we have liftoff mm-hmm. but eventually so they're waiting for like walk me through this too like i feel like they're waiting for donna to come in and then we already talked about that scene with her and and carmy in the kitchen and they they ask stevie to do the prayer but like something happens like how does the fight with lee and mikey get started so what ends up happening is yeah they're all kind of waiting for donna to come out and so then uh, it's like, okay, well, you know, who's going to do the prayer? They suggest that Stevie should do the prayer. And then I think he's like, oh, I really don't want to. And so then I think Michelle nominates Mikey. It's like, oh, maybe, maybe Mikey, you should do the prayer. And then uh, he says, yeah, I'll do the prayer if this jagoff isn't going to, you know, cut me off at some point. And so that's oh, what yeah. starts the tension between him and Lee again at the table. And then that, you know, uh, eventually cues the fork throwing. And... um. Oh, and that fight, which is so like eat the eat the fish, bitch, or like the you know the first dinner table fight scene in August Osage County, it is so it is almost like an homage to August Osage County the way this plays yeah. out. Oh my god, I know, and it's just it takes off from there too because it's so fucking tense. And he throws the f- first fork, and he's gonna throw the second fork, or he does. I mean, I can't keep. There's so many forks in this episode that fly, but I do yeah. love. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Walk he does through. threaten to throw the second one. And then I think then Lee flinches. Does Natalie? Oh, yeah, that's right. He just wants to show that he has the power. Yeah, I think. And if he he might throw a second one, I think he throws a second one and it flies past <clears throat> Lee's head. And then he gets the third one. And that's the one where like he goes to throw it and Lee flinches. He's like, oh, you flinched, you pussy. And I love how Lee's like, yeah, because my nervous system's connected to my body. I flinched, which is a great oh. dig. Of like, yeah, I'm not fucking high right now, so I'm gonna actually flinch. I thought that was brilliant writing, and um, and that's where it's like I think Natalie is the one to get through Mikey, and is like, please, I beg you, don't do it. And then that's yeah, when Donna Diane comes Keaton. in. Yeah, she's Diane hey, Keaton. Hey, hey, yeah, hey. I love you. Yeah, she tries her best, but setting up perfectly, the only one that we know that can truly stop this is Donna, and she, the way mm-hmm. she dances in, oh my god. Oh. Donna comes in reset. She's got her drink fresh in her glass of wine. Yep, fresh sig, and and then it's like, all right, Stevie, say the prayer. And now that Donna's here, there's no turning around. Like, say the fucking prayer. You got to do it. You got to do it's it. It's awkward as fuck, and I hated it. I fast forwarded it <laughs> the second time around. Oh, I mean, Donna's like emotional journey during it is fascinating. Oh yes, that's yeah. I think maybe that's my way through it the next time because yeah. I just I couldn't do it. And then, yeah, and then Jamie Lee starts to, Donna starts to kind of crumble again, and everyone's like, no, it's so beautiful. You did such a great job. You're so great. No, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. And then Natalie, it's like she just, again, it's self-soothing. It's, it, it's, she needs to do this right now. She's doing this for herself, and she's like, are you okay? And I, I mean, think everyone, like, as, as you watch it, too, you're like, oh, Yes. Oh, it's like, like lighting oh, the no. fuse. 
and like the, the shots of everyone else at the table like oh fuck and i just the way that Na- that jamie lee goes natalie rose brazado yeah. rose <laughs> brazado am i okay uh, oh it's i mean it, put this right next to tony collette in hereditary yeah. in terms of dinner table meltdowns oh god i even wanted it to go further i like i felt that like obviously she goes to a 27 and eventually gets there it's but it, it is like a, a crescendo because she's like you know how much i hate fucking hate when you ask me that question do you know uh, uh and but then yeah. we get that michelle moment too she's like do i look what does she say do i look okay to do you? i look okay and michelle goes not really and she kind of scratches the back of her neck when she yep. says that, Michelle. Oh. oh, it's, I mean, that is some Sarah Paulson genius acting because then when, well, Jamie Lee looks at her and just like, I want this on a tote bag of just Donna looking at her and being like, oh, fuck you, Michelle. And just the way that like <laughs> Michelle's mouth crumbles a little bit. It's like, well, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. It's, yep. oh, it's genius. It's so smart. I just love that layer. Because I don't think we've seen any interaction with Michelle in the kitchen. You know no. what I mean? Michelle's no. all she knows. She's like she goes. She's in New York now. She knows like, and that's that beautiful moment that I I I know we like talked about just a little bit. She's like, I need you to come visit me in New York. I see what like you being here does to you, and you're, like basically like you're better than that. Like you need to clear your head. You need to keep your eye on the prize. Come visit me in New York whenever you want. And she's and like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna hold you to that. Like that's the cousin. They're cousins, right? They uh, are. Yeah. Yeah. That you need. You need the cousin from New York to tell you to keep going. Yeah. Who who kind of has that inside outsider insider view of what you're dealing with? Like she know she sees the whole picture, and I think it's a it's an interesting point that she knows to keep her distance from Donna. She's the yep. only one who does keep her distance from Donna. And I just, I love that of like, huh, what's that about? You know, it even, yep. you know, getting high with the facts and just the idea of like, they were like just smoking in the living room. Like they, I, I just was so like, Oh my God, the idea of, of the level of chaos in this house that you could just like smoke a joint in the living room. <laughs> and no one cares. No one cares. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Donna just has that, absolute you know uh donna osage county moment and it's like yeah are you okay lee gorgeous you know yes you didn't do a fucking thing oh my god i i just i ah oh, i just love it i just love it yeah it ends with her smashing of plates which i feel is the release that we all needed and you know lee does try to kind of smooth things over you know he's like all right we knew that was going to happen. Let's just move on. Mm. And then <laughs> right on cue, Mikey throws his fork. Yeah, because right Lee kind of almost Lee. like makes it like a joke of it. Like, well, when we saw that coming. And then, yeah, and I think Michelle says, oh, I think this is the worst it's ever been. And then that's when yep. Mikey throws the fork. And it's just chaos again. And uh, flips the table. Yes. Ugh. I mean, and, and Mikey is just like guttural screaming. He's just screaming yeah. like an animal, like a bear, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then, is. yes. And it's this whole chaotic moment. And then almost again, like a kind of like her smashing the plate, which reminded me of Sissy Spacek in, in the bedroom. You let yes. him get away with everything. Oh, <laughs> any day you want, smash a plate, you know? Yes. Um, And like, because if I don't say this now, I'll forget. Like, lest we forget that, like, 
meltdowns in the kitchen like lest lest we not lay roses at the feet of clarissa in the hours miss meryl street yes. meltdowns in the kitchen are so important oh oh yeah they're so important it's, i ah. it's so a, the details episode waiting to happen yes meltdowns, meltdowns in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen yeah i and know I'll, I'll, I was just like, I can't, I mean, I guess I could put Jurassic Park on that list, right? The raptor attack. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Her holding onto the fence. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, and the whole thing, the thing that I found with so, I, I just thought it's like the act one gun of her mentioning the gun. I totally thought she was going to shoot herself up in the bedroom. Yeah. Oh, that was going to be it. It yeah. was almost like a classic, almost two on the nose Act One yep. gun. It was literally yep, yep, yep. an Act One gun, and um, yeah, this was insane. And and then she is just like sitting in the car laughing, and then Carmi. It's like it's so interesting because we, and I I think this has been talked about already in the previous episode, but like he has a very specific association with those cannolis with this moment. Like that's like what he sees or thinks of those cannolis. He thinks of this Christmas. Oh, so, those cannoli look amazing. Oh, the they look so, every dessert that they pan to. Like, that's what I love. Like little yum yums all uh-huh. around the house. Oh, yes. My God. I'm up, I'm up for that. Olives, little shrimps, you know? Yep. Maybe a little bowl of peanut M&M's somewhere next to a lamp. Uh, peanut butter M&M's. I was so proud of you, Colin, when I listened to your Barbie uh-huh. episode those peanut butter m M&M. And I know Johnny <laughs> Johnny was like, wait, you mean peanut? And I was like, no. No. Peanut butter. Michelle Visage, no. No. And I, I do like a peanut m M&M. and I'll, I'll eat a peanut m M&M, Sure. But I'll never choose it over a peanut butter. Yeah, no, no. I mean, if I've got Mikey, I'm not going to choose Carmi. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, Natalie's just a plain M&M. It's like, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She's a she's a bunch of cruncher. Oh, which I you actually like. I do yeah. like a bunch of crunch. She's a raisinette. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, Keon Ugh. loves raisinettes. Oh, Keon. I know. It's okay, though. I mean, he could do whatever he wants, but I that's just, right. come on. Um, yeah. uh, so... Th- 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 one of the things I absolutely love about this movie episode is the final shot yes. is the choice to end on this face journey from Natalie. And I, I said it on Patreon last week. I've said it. All right, Mary, I'll say it again here because it, it just, I, this is one of my like favorite TV moments of the year is just like Natalie's brain breaks, like something breaks mm-hmm. and, and there's this almost kind of like, there's this almost like Jan Brady moment where she kind of like looks up, you know, like Jan Brady in, in distress. You I know, know that exactly face? what you're talking about. Yes. yes. That's her like tweak. That's that, like, yes. Ugh. Yeah. That ugh, she kind of has yep. like a, a Jan Brady moment. Yeah. It's like when Jan has like evil Jan, you know, yes. like when she's like talking to herself, like everyone loves Marsha. Yes. Marcia, Marcia. Yeah. That's yes, exactly yes. it. Thank you. Yes, exactly. And I just, and the, just the zooming in on her. And I, and I remember even the first time I watching it, I was like, oh my God, are you going to end on Natalie? Are you going to end on Natalie? You fucking mm-hmm. ended on Natalie. The choice. Yeah. Because that's who we started with in the yes. episode too. It's a perfect little bookend. And, the, and we come to realize like, oh, in some ways, this episode was, a, was it's like, you go back and you rewatch how, like how this is about Natalie, how this is a formative Natalie memory. And like that last shot almost confirms like, Oh, this has been like, this is, this affected maybe Natalie most of all. 
Yeah. It's like Eliza at the end of Hamilton. It's like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It was just what a what a genius idea. And I just I, I just love that so much. And it made me love Natalie and made me want to rewatch the entire series now because I just I I appreciate the full scope of a character who I think in the beginning was just the sister, you know? Yep. The sister who stays home. Yeah. I, do we have a category for face journeys at, at the Westons? I don't know. I think we need to. The Natalie Brizzato face journey award. Yeah. Yeah. The Natalie Brizzato. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Again, we'll workshop it. Yeah. Uh, you know, while we're kind of talking about face journeys, we I do want to just give a little bit of love to Gillian Jacobs because there's also that subplot of Richie wanting to get a job from Jimmy. And then when they're at the dinner oh, table... Yes. Tiffany's seated between them and she says to Jimmy like oh I just want to thank you for you know for giving Richie a job and that whole moment I think there's a lot of subtext here as well but like the 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 face acting that Gillian Jacobs is doing in this whole scene where like Jimmy's explaining to her like you know so that but the thing is you know uh you know yeah I'm gonna give him a job but like I just don't want everyone to think that I got jobs to give out and she just has this like it's like she's holding back tears and it's as if she feels like she's upset the godfather you know yes I, you know what I didn't I was paying more attention to Richie and um Uncle Jimmy but next time I go back to, and watch this I'm gonna look at that because I I agree I think like even when Richie asks her in the bedroom, like, are you still mad at me? And she thinks about it. Mm -hmm. She's like, mm, I actually don't even know what I'm mad about. And the, the tongue thing back oh, and forth. the tongue thing. Oh, my God. I cackled at that. I thought that was such a stupid, funny thing that, like, all couples do. Yep. And I thought that was genius. And, and it made they, me love Richie even more. Go ahead. Totally. And they didn't, like, it was just this thing that, like, just by seeing it, they just showed us, like, oh, yeah, this is just a little thing couples do. I know what yep. this is. Yeah. Um, and, yes, I mean, certainly episode seven is truly Richie's episode, but I feel like this is a great setup for explaining who Richie becomes in episode seven. It's like we realize, like, oh, this person was always in there. Yep. He has potential. I love Richie. He's my. I love Richie too. He's my baby. I just uh, and I hated him in the beginning, and I've hated him so many times. And not the yeah. actor; he's fabulous. But like um, Ebon Moss Bachrock, which is seems like an anagram, but uh, <laughs> he is. I just I adore Richie, and I won't spoil yeah. anything. But I just continue to adore Richie by the end of oh, the series. Oh, I can't wait. I was so worried for him in episode seven, and I'm just so glad it all worked out, so I, I can't wait to see what happens. Honestly, like, there was a part of me that, like, felt like a bit of inspiration. Like, I, I'm kind of, yes! like, inspired by Richie's, like, you know, and Tina, obviously, Tina's had a bit of that narrative as well. Tina's always been, like, an inspiration, but it was so inspirational to see Richie, like, figure it out. Yep. Ugh, this show... This show. This show. I fucking love the show. I just, oh, God, the bear. I'm just so, <sighs> I'm so proud of it. And Jamie Lee, like, oh, oh, here's see you a, at the Emmys. Go ahead. I'll see you at the Emmys and who knows? Keep watching the series. Who knows? Um, oh. I do want to acknowledge because there is the mystery, there are two mystery, one somewhat mystery woman and one very mysterious woman in the cast that we haven't talked about. So oh, there. That's right. Yes. And I, I just, 
I, she's almost my like favorite character because I'm, I'm so fascinated by her presence, but uncle Lee's wife, Carol, she technically has a line in the beginning because he's like, what do I do with this with the Dutch oven? And she's like, I don't know. Don, I'll tell you what to do. So she has like little moments and they like do show like one or two close ups of her at the table. Like she does have these like little micro reaction moments, but she doesn't have any other like lines or moments in the episode. And I don't know why. But I just think that's fascinating to have a character in like this kind of small of an ensemble be basically background. Yeah, I wonder if there's like an alternate version of the script where she had her moments, because that's the thing that we've been saying the entire episode is everyone has a moment. And I think I could be wrong, but at the mo- at the very beginning when um, Lee says, where should I put this? I swear she says, bend over and I'll show you. It's either oh. her or someone else too. So like she's, and it, even with that one line, I'm not worried about her, you know, like she's, she's been around, she knows the drill, but like, she doesn't try to calm Lee down. She doesn't right. do anything at that dinner table. And I just, again, yeah, I, I wonder what there's yeah. something about Carol. <laughs> right. Like in season three, will we all suddenly get like so much more of Lee and Carol, you know? Oh yeah. That would um, be cool. Cause you know, without spoiling anything, I, I do appreciate that there is, there is like an epilogue to this to this episode later in the series that I oh think God. is the most perfect decision in so many ways. It's just the most perfect decision. I can't wait for you to get to it because I can't wait to talk about it. It's just in terms of the idea of the, of using supporting characters and kind of giving like it's it's just such an inspired decision. And I just I love it so much. Yeah, I feel like it's it's it feels like this show is written for us in so yeah. many ways. Yeah, and I feel like obviously other people are liking it too, but like I, I just can't. I was so floored by that episode. I watched it while Keon was away, but I, I honestly want to watch it with him. I hope he can survive because it is stressful. We'll we'll take breaks if we need to, but yeah, I, it's gonna win all the awards. It's gonna win for writing. It's gonna win for acting, directing. Like I, I just can't wait to see what happens. I am so proud of it. And I am so glad we got to talk about it. I, yeah. uh, and, and yes, I'll tell you, listen, it, it is, there are so many gifts in a rewatch. You will pick up on so many more things. I'm sure I'll watch this again. It's like, oh, it's so fucking good. One thing I did pick up actually the second time around is when Mikey and Richie are in the pantry scene and Mikey's like, tell me three things about, Copenhagen he's like it's the most beautiful place in the world I slept on a boat and I, f- I think I fed this invisible cat which I love yeah we never know if that cat is real um I, I yeah. love that yeah I have no idea what the context of that is but yep. um but I love not knowing that's what I love about this is the idea that like like if this was just a, a standalone movie like a shiva baby I mean and in some ways it feels like a play I mean it does I could see yep. so much of this playing out like a play I just love having to fill in those gaps um oh wait but wait I was I was talking about what's his face that's in Copenhagen right now who's p- putting the water out for the, what we think is a cat you know what I'm talking about yeah, Marcus is in Copenhagen right now. Yeah, but he, he has to feed the cat. And remember, he's like, I don't even know if there is a cat. And oh! Richie, or not Richie, Carmi also stayed in the same boat, which is how he hooked him up. 
And so oh. they both fed an invisible cat. That's what I was going for. Oh, I didn't remember Marcus talking about that. Oh, I love that connection. Yeah, because he's like... talking with his mom or something on the phone. He's like, I'm feeding this cat that I've never seen before. I don't even know if it exists. So yes. when Carmi said that, I'm feeding an invisible cat, I was like, ah, that's so great. Oh, I didn't put that together. Oh, I see all these gifts, these little yep. things. Um. And I guess the other mystery is the other mystery woman is there is one shot of an older lady asleep oh, yeah. on a couch. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yep. And she doesn't even join me. them for dinner. And so Oh, she doesn't. Is she Donna's mother who's like a drunk? You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll Who they don't even that. bring to the table, you know? Yeah. Yikes. Uh they're not even gonna miss me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I think uh I think we should I think we should see if the orchestra would play a little uh who is that who is that singing at the beginning? Darlene Love. Darlene Love. Do you think all the orchestra on Christmas? Do you think they'll play I a little all low that. on Christmas for us? Absolutely. All right. Can you uh I'm going to throw a fork at the at the conductor and <laughs> yeah. see if he'll play a little KFC. Yeah. Uh Kios, yeah, I thought you said KFC. I was like, "Well, that sounds delicious." Oh, that does sound um, good. Yeah, but ooh, that also sounds like we're being played off. Ah, uh, Merry Christmas. Hey, you filthy animals. Uh, you filthy jag offs. <laughs> uh, now, where can folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, uh, which is a very contested recap podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Pichanov. How about you? Well, you can find more of me on All Right, Mary. Not talking about Drag Race right now. We're doing a few tree different things. We just did an episode on Barbie. Um, so that's fun. And then you can find me on Instagram at Collin underscore. And you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. Dig it. Get your peepers peeled, you jagoffs, because just around the corner <laughs> is going to be the Best Supporting After Show, where we continue to clean out and all things Best Supporting Actress. We're definitely going to talk about Barbie. We're definitely going to, we'll make sure we'll catch up on some Roni talk and, and anything else we've been watching and uh, queening out about. And if you want to queen out with us, get a bonus episode every single week. Get early ac- access to episodes just like this, all for $5 a month. You just go to Patreon.com. No, you can't. You just go to patreon.com slash PSA pod. It's a party. It is a party. It's a Christmas party. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for you and I to get into two pre-owned lease toilets yourselves named Ruth and Cheryl and drive through the front door of the house. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yes. Uh, and so that's just, just what we're going to do. And uh, that, Carmen Anthony. As they say, <laughs> oh, it is, is <laughs> Natalie Rose Brizado. Yeah. Are you okay? Are Bye. you okay? <laughs> 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 <laughs>